I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Patrick Davis and the Sports Complex. Weekday afternoons, only on The Horn. to the Sports Complex on a Thursday afternoon right here on the Horn. I'm your host, Patrick Davis. Coming up on today, the NBA has released this schedule. Not a lot you can do with an NBA schedule release, but we'll get you some key dates, a couple things to note from the NBA schedule release, uh, a little bit of talk about tonight's game, a little bit of uh, Cowboys update, Patrick's big fat poll of the day, some NFL news. Uh, Todd, jo- Todd Dodge, legendary coach here in Texas, was on Ian Robbie this morning. We'll play that interview for you as well. Some player audio. Keelan Robinson, Jonathan Brooks, and Jaron Thompson all talked to the media yesterday. We have some audio from that and talk some Texas football. And since we don't have the Rangers, we got a full show today. We did have Jared Sandler from the Rangers broadcast team join the show. He's going to call in at 6.30 today to talk some Texas Rangers, get you ready for the weekend series against the Brewers of the Rangers. All that coming up here on the show, the Sports Complex. Remember, you can join the conversation. 512-337-3776. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line number where you can join the conversation and come play with us here at the Sports Complex. All right. Let's get into some NBA real quick. I know we're not going to go too far into it. Uh, we're still on the holdout of when Miami and and, and, and uh, the Trailblazers, what they're going to do with with Dwayne, uh, with Dame Lillard and and James Harden and his telling everybody that he hates uh, Daryl Morey, all that's still out there. But the schedule was released today, and so some games that you should know. We'll get into that opening night. You're going to see Lakers versus Nuggets, Suns versus Warriors is October 24th. It's going to be on TNT. You get your opening night. Lakers versus Nuggets. The the media gets what they want. LeBron James versus the defending world champs. You get your LA team you get your major market versus the nuggets show that off and then suns warriors we get to see kevin durant and his new team go against his old championship team and the warriors do the warriors still have legs they made that chris paul trade that he was part of he was on the warriors and then or he was on the suns and now he's on the warriors and kevin durant was on the warriors and now he's on the sun and uh it's gonna be a fun game uh opening night the mavs and spurs open against each other the next night october 25th both teams are going to open against each other on ESPN, one thing you're going to see, uh, the Spurs are getting 11 nationally televised games, eight on NBA TV. That is 19 nationally televised games. You can include uh, NBA TV, but ESPN, uh, TNT, those kind of ch- channels, uh, ABC, that is 11 of those. And then eight more on NBA TV for the Spurs because Wimby Mania is in full effect. Uh, we see the teams like the Orlando Magic and some other teams with with young, promising stars, Detroit Pistons. Not as thrilled that the Spurs are getting all of uh, getting all of the hype, but that's what's going to be happening. Uh, the Mavs playing the Suns on Christmas. They're rounding out your Christmas night, which is, I know, the first night a lot of team, people start to care about basketball. If you're a Mavs fan, you'll get to see. And we'll know a little bit more if this Mavs team has imploded. I mean, you have basically October, November, December 25th. We should be getting three months We'll see if Kyrie can hold it together for three whole months because we know that that has not always been possible. But if he's holding it together, then you get to play a great matchup against the Suns, which who knows what that Suns team is going to look like. There's one basketball. You add in Bradley Beal. You have Kevin Durant on that team. Devin Booker's still on that team. You add in uh, you, you add in, uh, Bledsoe. Like you just, there's so many people. And DeAndre Ayton's still on this team who wasn't happy he was getting the ball enough when it was just Chris Paul 
And and Devin Booker, he was not as thrilled to, as how much he was going to get the ball. So I don't know what they're going to do. But that is going to be a fun matchup on Christmas. And if you're an Austin Spurs fan, if you're a fan of the Spurs here, well, San Antonio Spurs fan in Austin, they're moving up. They're still doing two games here at the Moody Center, but they are moving that up. They're moving up these Spurs-Austin games to March 15th against the Nuggets and March 17th versus the Nets is going to be during South by Southwest. And I know that that's had to be like one of the reasons that the Spurs, and this is right before the NCAA tournament, so this will be right around Big 12 tournament time. I know my man Eddie Oren has got to be loving that the Nets are going to be here, but he's probably going to be off at the Big 12 tournament anyway. So it's going to conflict with Texas basketball, but it won't be at the, the Texas basketball won't be at the Moody Center. They should be off at the Big 12 tournament. That is what is happening uh, March 15th and 17th at the Moody Center. The Spurs are coming down. Uh, it'll be it'll be so it mayhem. I'm sure there'll be more activations during South by Southwest as the Spurs try and bring their brand of basketball and kind of take over the Austin area. I know they're they're big on trying to come into Austin right now. Uh, the few people I've talked to uh, around the organization, they're very much into the idea of spreading their their growth, spreading their uh, reach to the Austin area. And I mean, I as a, I grew up a Spurs fan, so I'm all for it. I know Mavs fans in town and Rockets fans that aren't as loud right now. They would are not going to go for it as much, but that is what they're doing. Uh, and and look, the reality is. If you if you love basketball, it's a fun team to watch this season for a couple reasons. One is Victor Weminyama. So whether you like him or you don't, you can go check him out and see what you think and see what, what your opinion is on the Phenom. If this guy's going to be, if you see the 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 potential, or if you don't, that's something to check out with Weminyama. But what what I'm really looking for, especially early in the season, is there's basically Two pieces on this Spurs team that you need to figure out can if they can play with Victor Wembanyama and how they play with them. That's Keldon Johnson and Jeremy Sohan. I'm not the biggest Jeremy Sohan fan. I think Wembanyama is, considering the fact that from pictures, Wembanyama has dyed his hair. He's already got the Sohan look going. I'm not the hugest Sohan fan. I'm I'm just I'm not a fan of somebody who trash talks as much as he does and can't back it up at a full level. I'm not a huge fan of. You know, he's very inconsistent to me. And maybe he'll fix it. And and you know what? He's a Spurs, so I'm hoping he fixes it. But those are some of the things that do worry me about Jeremy Sohan. But when you talk about playing with Wembenyama, if we say, well, Victor Wembenyama is not really a standard five. So we don't want Victor Wembenyama guarding uh, Jokic. You don't want him guarding an Embiid. You don't want him guarding an Anthony Davis even necessarily in the post. You want him to be more of a perimeter defender and step out a little bit more. And you want him to be a help side defender uh on on blocking shots. But for Sohan, you need to be able to you need to be able to figure out if you are going to be able to step up and play a five and body up and be able to body on an Embiid or a Jokic or a Valanchunas or uh you know just any of the big guys in the league right now that could go in there and try and body you up because if you can't play a five, it may be hard to get their lineup where you want to have your best five guys on the court, and that's Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sohan, and Victor Wembanyama. But if you don't have a five in that lineup, and no one can guard, and the best play, the best player in the league, and the best team in the league that just won an NBA championship, the Nuggets with a center, you're gonna to have to figure that out. So that is something to be watching for for the Spurs. We still got a little bit of time. It's till October 24th. I just like talking Spurs because that's uh, I was a basketball player, so that's what I love doing. I do want to mention some stuff in the NFL, though. And the thing I was looking at the other day is I kind of got – I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. I didn't go full Rod Baber's rabbit hole, but I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole. And looking at how top five and top ten quarterbacks tend to fare in their NFL careers. And I was trying to look at, you know, since all three quarterbacks have now basically been named starters, I believe C.J. Stroud the last one to be named a week one starter. He's been named starter for another week. In uh, preseason, Anthony Richardson has been named the starter. I believe Bryce Young has been named the number one quarterback. So for those three, it is a good uh, – I, I appreciate having – that you're getting three stars, right? And so you start to look at what other years – and it has been – there was no quarterbacks in the top ten in 2022. You had three quarterbacks in the top three 
in 2021, which is very rare. You had three quarterbacks in the top 10 in 2020, and it's actually the anomaly year with Joe Burrow, Tua, and Justin Herbert that all three of those seem to be like they could be franchise quarterbacks. But your more regular year is a 2021 with Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance, which is, hey, man, Trey, the, you know, Zach Wilson may be okay, and Trey Lance may be. But both those guys could be washed out, not really ever starters. One of them could come back and play, but odds are Trevor Lawrence is your only guy that comes out of there. So if you look at all the quarterbacks drafted since I went back to the year 2000 for top 10 quarterbacks, there's 40 quarterbacks taken in the top 10 since the year 2000. And I gave pretty favorable decisions on whether guys would be a franchise quarterback or not since the year 2000 if they're top 10 pick. 17 is all you get. So, and that's pretty favorable because some of those guys, you know, that's where you're putting on uh, an Alex Smith, I'm counting as a franchise quarterback. He's all right. He's okay. But, you know, I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that you'd want to be your franchise quarterback. Garrett, Jared Goff, good quarterback. I don't know if anybody says, man, we drafted him. He's shown now, years and years later, that he's that guy. So you, I gave some favorable players. A, a pass. But if you're really looking at the numbers of how top 10 quarterbacks historically do in the NFL, you're shooting at below 50% success rate of top five quarterbacks. And I'll tell you, to Texans fans, the number two pick doesn't end up really well that often. The quarterback's taken at number two. I had to go back to, before the year 2000 to find a successful number two quarterback or a quarterback taken at number two, I should say, in the NFL draft. And 1999, Donovan McNabb goes, I believe after Tim Couch, goes one and two, Tim Couch one, and uh, Donovan McNabb at two in 1999. That is your most successful number two overall pick at uh, quarterback. At least I went back to 1970 on that one. I couldn't find another one. That was more successful. So it's not common that if there's a quarterback one and two, that you're going to get the second one to be really good. Normally, you know, you have to wait a little bit. Some other guys go in. Anthony Richardson, I think, falls into the category more of a Justin Herbert or a Patrick Mahomes, one of those guys that, you know, or maybe even I'll even throw in a Daniel Jones, that is a little bit later in that draft who's not he's still a top 10 pick, but they're not, they're not immediately. Like, you didn't have to get him. I know he went number four, but that's simply because that's when the Colts had the pick. So that's when they, they, they traded back, and that's where they were in, able to end up. They wanted a quarterback. That's what they get. But this should tell you that your odds of looking at these quarterbacks, the odds would tell you that one of them will be a, one of them can be a good quarterback. Not necessarily – all of them could fail. But your odds are not that all three will be good quarterbacks. So I think when you start to look at this as an NFL team, and you know, hey, man, it's very rarely at all three. So if we really were, if the Texans really were on the fence that they would have taken Bryce Young if they had the number one pick, if that was really what it was, I think you have to be a little bit more careful with handling C.J. Stroud and maybe not throw him out week one. I I know that that's going against what I've said before because I think, you know, well, C.J. Stroud's clearly the guy. Davis Mills isn't the guy. Case Keenum is someone you could put into the game, but I don't know if he is somebody that you want to put into the game. But... I don't know if you're if you're the Houston Texans. I think you really, really have to look at maybe putting Case Keenum in, slowing up C.J. Stroud if he does not progress at the rate you need him to, instead of sticking him out there and having him become somebody like a Zach Wilson or a Sam Darnold that gets in way over their head and isn't able to catch up. And once it gets behind him, it's always behind him. I would be a little bit more careful if I was the Texans right now. And I know they don't have their number one pick, uh, their first round pick next year. So maybe you can't you can't afford to do it. You have to go full force. I'm a little bit worried. We'll see this weekend if he looks a little bit better. All the reports were out of practice. He's looked better. I want to see a little bit more out of C.J. Stroud before I annoyed him. When you look at the numbers and say, odds are... He's going to take some time to develop, even if he is able to go. Odds are he, you know, not all three of them are going to go. And I think you should be careful. And if you're the Panthers, it's fine. You know, if you know, you don't really have somebody else. I think Case Keenum is serviceable. So it's something the Texans should look at. 
I might start still start C.J. Stroud week one, but I was looking at these numbers and looking at how these players progress in the top five draft picks and top ten draft picks and that you're really shooting below 50%. It gave me a little less hope about what was going to happen for the Texans and C.J. Stroud because, man, that second quarterback taken is a pretty large miss rate at the number two pick. It is basically Donovan McNabb and then your other number two picks, you know, that second quarterback taken in the draft, if you have the number two, it's also, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota, it's okay. Carson Wentz, who had a good season. Mitchell Trubisky was number two, but that was he was the first quarterback taken. But that didn't work out great for him. Zach Wilson's the number two. The, the numbers of number two, the quarterbacks taken at number two are not great. It is somewhat of a, you know, loose judgment of how to judge a quarterback. But just saying, the second quarterback taken in the draft, historically, is not going to rack, rack up as, as good as the first. Just historically. So you have to be careful. Speaking of quarterbacks, tonight we have the Cleveland Browns playing the Philadelphia Eagles. There's not a lot of notes about the Philadelphia Eagles. There's not a lot you can go into about the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, we know that they're basically ready for the season. They have their guys. They have their starters. They're not too many position battles you're looking for. One note for the Browns, though. Dorian Thompson-Robinson from UCLA, fifth-round pick, is starting tonight. We've All we've heard is reports that Deshaun Watson is not playing up to that level, that Deshaun Watson has still not been able to return to form. And, again, it's preseason. Again, it's scrimmages, stuff like that. They scrimmage with the Eagles during the week, and it did not go well. Eagles have a good defense. Here's some Dorian Thompson-Robinson stats to get you a little bit more amped up about watching this kid tonight. And if you're not, if you don't like Deshaun Watson, this is the kid you need to root for. Because we know Kellen Mond is not taking over the job from Deshaun Watson. But Dorian Thompson may be, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, is the guy that if Deshaun Watson struggles at any point, and they may say, oh, well, you know, we have that, we have that injury or something, or we may want to sit him back a little bit, Dorian Thompson-Robinson is the guy to look at. So far in preseason, 9-10 passing, 102 passing yards. Or, sorry, in his last game, 9-10 passing, 110, 102 passing yards, 11 rushing yards, one touchdown, 142.5 pass rating, and he played one quarter. He's now up to 184 yards, passing yards, 47 rushing yards, and two touchdowns in the first two preseason games. He's played about two or three quarters so far. He is looking like he wants to come in and make an impact. It's preseason, not a lot to watch for, but watch Dorian Thompson-Robinson tonight against the Eagles playing for the Browns. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, something very fun to watch tonight. Finally, let's get over to Mike McCarthy. Uh, we know that there's been chippy practices. They have been happening across uh, across the league that people are starting to get into chippier and chippier fights. It is hot. It is tiring. We are at the end of camp. Everybody just wants to be done and start playing football for real. So I get why they're getting chippier and chippier. The Cowboys had several fights yesterday breakout. Uh, there was the main one of Sam Williams and the offensive line were getting into it, and Sam Williams started to get chippy. Tyler Biotish, uh bounced back at him and knocked him out, or knocked him down. Uh, then later in the day, the fight broke out again, and Biotish and Sam Williams get into it, and Micah Parsons came out swinging, and Mike McCarthy came out afterwards. Said he's fine with fights at practice. It happens. People are, people are you know, you just you get amped up. You're going to go fight. He's fine with them. He doesn't like punches because, man, that's how you get suspended. So Mike McCarthy... Again, goes, eh, you know, I'm not going to get too into it, which I get, but I'm still a little bit worried about this Mike McCarthy offensive coordinator, glorified offensive coordinator position that he seems to be in this year. And that's going to lead us to the Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day on the horn. Patrick's Big Fat Poll of the day. We'll put up the answers on social media. Yesterday we asked you, uh, who is the breakout player for the Cowboys going to be this season? And DeMarvion Overshawn comes away with the win on that poll for us. Not surprising if we know who the clientele who's voting. DeMarvion Overshawn comes out above Deuce Vaughn. Kevontae Turpin, no love. No love for Kevontae Turpin on that poll. And Mozzie Smith got a couple votes as well. Uh, but I want to ask you, so Mike McCarthy, to me, is on the hot seat. And I know he's not listed on a lot of teams' hot seats, but with Dan Quinn right behind him, I, I just – 
There's no way I look at this and don't think Mike McCarthy, if the Cowboys offense does not progress and they got rid of Kellen Moore, who was one of Dak's or one of Jerry's guys, and if Dak Prescott, the guy that they want to sign and go, doesn't had doesn't progress this year and starts to regress again and starts throwing interceptions and everything starts to go wrong offensively for the Cowboys. There's one guy to blame left. And if you're going to try and compete and you know you're starting to hand out big contracts, Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat for me. But what I want to ask you, join the conversation, 512-337-3776, Specs text line, which NFL coach is on the biggest hot seat going into the season? Who's on the hot seat in the NFL coaching world? There's some teams, and not all of them for me, not all the coaches on the hot seat for me, are necessarily teams that need to prog- play huge games and, play, and, and win a ton. Ron Rivera to me is on the hot seat. It's a new organization. A new ownership comes in. He's kind of the old guard. He's already had to come out and explain himself once for, for what he said about Eric Bieniemy being too tough on the guys and yelling too much at practice. He already had to do that. So you just want to see if, if maybe he, maybe they say, you know, after this year, we underperformed again. Ron, it's his time. We just got to get a new start. Brandon Staley and the Chargers. Man, you, you keep trying to do it. Now you got Kellen Moore in there. If you can't achieve anything in L.A. with all of those players and you just paid Justin Herbert a big contract and that defense that you're supposed to be a defensive guy, Brandon Staley, are you in the hot seat? Is it your time? Josh McDaniels and the Raiders? Come on, Raiders fans. You know this one's true. Josh McDaniels should have been fired last year. He's an awful head coach. I don't think his seat's hot. I think his seat is on fire. I don't think he has a seat anymore because he's just a bad head coach. He just is. He wants to do things his way or the highway, but his way doesn't work either. So it's just a bunch of people. And Josh Jacobs, we don't even know if he's going to show up. We've seen the new contracts. He's not getting paid. He's definitely not getting paid. So Josh McDaniels has to be on the hot seat. Who do you think is the coach that is on the biggest hot seat going into this season? NFL coach. Tell us on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776, 512-337-3776. We come back. Legendary head coach, former UT quarterback, Todd Dodge, joined Rod, uh, E and Rod B this morning. They had a great conversation. And if you love Texas football, you will enjoy this conversation as well. We're playing that. When we come back here. On the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, hornfm.com, and on the Horn app. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. on the sports complex here on the horn doing our, our rain dance here on the horn trying to get some rain for us playing rain songs all week until we get to 512 friday tomorrow but rain songs all throughout the week and uh i, I guarantee you i'm not voice tracked right now but i am going to play you a clip from ian robbie this morning they spoke to the legendary uh coach here in texas todd dodge it's a great conversation about football and uh it's uh, gonna get you ready get you gamped up to watch some football tonight, to watch some football coming up in about 16, 17 days. So look who's on the line. We haven't spoke to him in a while. Uh, he's no longer coaching high school football and living the life of retirement, but a lifetime Longhorn nonetheless and one of the legendary coaches in the great state of Texas, our friend Todd Dodge. Todd, how are you? Good morning, guys. Hey, what, how are things? What's up, Coach? How y'all doing? We're doing, doing great. Doing great. How about you? What are you up to? I mean, it's, it's August. Shouldn't you be out at uh, two days or what? <laughs> Yeah, no, no. Right, I'm gonna go play golf here. I'm gonna go play golf here in a little bit. There you go. There you go. So you're safe to say you're enjoying 
the retirement. I know your son's still coaching, and you're staying close to that and connected yep. there. But uh, tell tell our audience who uh, who followed your your great career for so long. What are you up to these days? Oh well, Elizabeth and I live out here at Horseshoe Bay, and um, I still do. Uh, you know, the summertime, uh, June and, and July, I do three quarterback wide receiver camps, which I added one when I retired. And so that kind of do one in Austin, one San Antonio, one down in Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that kind of scratches the itch a little bit. And then, uh, yes, I, you know, last season was my first year in retirement. And I, I saw Riley's team, the, the South Lake Carroll Dragons, play probably seven times, you know, of their 14 games. saw the Chaparrales play. Um, probably will go back to more of Chaparral games this year. I, I didn't want to be that guy that retired and just, you know, uh, just kept trying to hang around and stuff, you know, you know last year. But um, love Tony and, and all the guys over there at Westlake. They're doing such a great job. And um, and then, you know, I've got uh, I've got four, four grandchildren and one more on the way. And uh, so that's a lot of fun. Hey coach, are you um are you getting enough of your football fix now in your retirement when guys leave the game in any of any capacity, whether a player or a coach, you know, they're they yep. have this addiction to the game. It, it's a part of your DNA. Are you getting enough of your football fix through the camps and, and being around your sons and that kind of yep. stuff? Yeah, I think so, Rod. It uh it definitely is not uh, something that you can just do cold turkey. Yep. I mean, um and I always tell you know, coaches, you know, this time of year, I don't care whether you coach in Texas high school football or at the collegiate level, you know, if, if someone wanted to knock off a coach, uh, take him out, it wouldn't be hard to do because they'd know where to find him every day, you know, every minute of every day. You know, there's such a, you know, regiment that you get into. And, and we kind of love that that grind, you know. And, and uh, you know, and when you, when you retire, when it's over with, uh, you know, you can't – there's a, a lot of things that, uh, you know, you can't just – stop at all and so yes um being involved with uh with young quarterbacks and receivers um being involved with my son's teams i've, I've done you know quite a few speaking i do some some staff consulting I, I, I do some speaking you know on uh at different clinics and things like that across the country and and that's also been fun liz and i get to travel doing that stuff well, that's great to hear. And uh, seven times a state champion as a head head coach at the 5A and 6A level. Of course, Westlake, three in a row on the way out, and uh, oh, what a run. Coach, you are, your son's at South Lake Carroll. Can we ask you a little bit about uh, Quinn Yours? Obviously, he played for, for Riley, and now he is uh, yep. emerging as the, the leader of this Texas football team, and I'm sure Riley still keeps in, in contact with Quinn. Uh, everything we've seen and heard from him, I mean, he looks like a different guy. He's got the, the haircut, and he's, he's slimmed down, and yep. uh, really, really attention to detail stuff. What you hearing from from Riley what are you seeing from Quinn Ewers going into his uh, second full year well first of all from Riley yes they are still very close uh Riley you know coached him for three years he was he was part of their varsity um for part of his freshman year uh took him to a uh, a semifinal his uh, his sophomore year and then took him to the state championship game his junior year so yeah they were together a long time to um I, I personally had had uh, Quinn in, in camp back when he was a rising ninth grader, and uh, it doesn't take long to figure out uh, when you can hear the ball coming out of someone's hand like you could that even at that age. Um, but it's really good. I mean, Quinn is is so, you know he, he's such a good kid. He really is, um, and I think people who've been around him and this is coming from Riley more than anything. He's 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 kind of a little bit shy and, and introverted a little bit. Um, but I think he's really stepping out of that and, and becoming the leader that he needs to be. And uh, it doesn't take long to figure out when you just see him, you know, on when they do a news clip of the Longhorn or something that he has uh, definitely uh, kind of redefined what his body should look like. And and um, and uh, and that's a good thing. And I think one thing people don't realize, and Riley and I were talking about this the other day, you know, Riley was saying, I don't think people really realize what a really good athlete he is. Uh, you kind of, you know, last year you you got the, you know, you got the mullet and you got the beard and he kind of got the, 
you know, the body's a little bit dumpy looking, you know, at, you know, and all of a sudden people, but now he's kind of back when he was in high school. I mean, he was track athlete also, you know, I mean, he was a, he was a member of the, you know, the, the mile relay team, the four by two, he could scoot. Now I can remember watching him as a sophomore, take one eighty to the house on zone read against Denton Geyer. And they got some guys that can run. So a uh, big Quinn fan, obviously, uh, just look for, for great things for him. Hey, Coach, you know, you're really your name, uh, the family name, uh, and your brand has become synonymous with quarterback development. And it, it's almost its own industry now, just quarterback development. Guys become made men in, in football because of their evaluation and development of the quarterback. And you are one of those made men because everybody, uh, you seem to have the magic touch. What do you look for when you are looking for a quarterback, what are the traits that you identify that, hey, these are traits I must have in a quarterback because you've turned Westlake into one of the greatest quarterback factories or helped turn into one of the greatest quarterback factories in the country? Yeah, well, probably probably the number one thing is, is, is he coachable? Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of times um, when we were all young, I think we probably got told, hey, you got to be coachable or, man, he's so coachable or – you know, you'd hear somebody go, that kid is so uncoachable. Yeah, and I used to think, I didn't know what the hell that meant. I mean, I thought it meant saying yes, sir, no, sir. And I think that's what a lot of kids do, yes, sir, no, sir, you know. And, you know, a lot of times, that has no, I said, I always tell our kids at Westlake, I said, Shit. I said, y'all are, you know, that's manners. That's what, you know, yes, sir, no, sir is manners. You know, that's because your parents raised you good and all that. I said, being coachable is doing something the way a coach asks you to do it the very t- first time he asks you to do it to the best of your ability. So I think at the quarterback position, that's key because there is a certain way that every, that you're going to do something, uh, whether it's throwing the ball, whether it's uh, uh, running the running the zone read, run, whether it's carry, playing without the ball, whether it's the RPO game. So I think that's number one. The, the second thing is can we develop this kid into being someone who is absolutely ultra accurate. Uh, can he can he make the routine look routine? Hmm. You know, um, in in the in the in the age of what we're in, you know, the the post routes, the fly routes, the double move, deep routes. That's all the sexy stuff. And I tell our quarterbacks all the time, that's not what makes these offenses go. The ones that make the offense go is. Can you can you be a quarterback that can put your team in second down and four three two one about eight times a game? And, I, and, and that's a lot of times that's kind of an untalked about mm-hmm. um, down and distance. And I always tell them, I said, if we can live in second down and four or less about eight times a game, uh, guess what? If we don't turn the ball over, we're going to win a lot of football games because yeah. a we're going to stay on the field, and B, we are going to have a lot of explosives because we're going to be able to take them in times that not everybody in three counties going, you know, watch the fly route, watch the post route, you know, that kind of deal. Yep. Question, uh, Coach, is was our producer Ty Henderson a coachable player? Is he a coachable <laughs> guy or what? What are we doing? I tell you what, Ty has got one of the, uh, the nicest uh, – Tattoo slash brands on his back that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah we've heard the brand story. It's always to get the attention of a girl, right? That's usually how that goes when you end up with a brand on your back. Absolutely, man. Yeah. No, I mean, it's. Uh, I'll never forget when we were in off season one day, and I went, "What in the hell is that?" You know. And of course, I got the story, and and the the beauty of Ty. Ty has always been very honest. Ty just he just threw it out there, and so um, you know, uh, I'm just. I tell you what, I'm I'm glad that tattoos and branding and stuff like that wasn't popular in Port Arthur, Texas, because I'd probably have a few tattoos all over me because we, we would have been stupid enough to do that. <laughs> great. He's a good, he is, he's, he's tie unfiltered. We call him. He is a, uh, a, uh, without boundary uh, when it comes to what he'll talk about on the radio. Yeah. Not, I mean, not just to, to us, he'll say it to everybody on the radio, which is great. Hey coach, uh, you know, yeah. you, you went back to back to back three times. I mean, three times, you know, of your seven titles. So you know what great culture is like, because that's different players. That's different, you know, leaders and quarterbacks to, to go three in a row. Uh, we've heard Steve Sarkeesian this offseason talk about this team here at Texas starting to sound like his team, starting to sound like when he hears them talk and communicate. I'm assuming you can relate to that. And what does that mean to you when you hear Sark saying that, that, that this being around this team, they sound like a team that uh, that I'm coaching? That that has to resonate with you. 
Absolutely, it does, and I and I, I really think you know part of being able to, to do that and to live up to what the expectations are. And, and I mean, Rod, you know, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what year it is. It doesn't matter whether yep. it's nineteen eighty one through eighty five or the years that you played in the early two thousands or now. I mean, the expectations are there. Yep. And you better embrace them, and you better uh, learn how to play with that bullseye. And I, you know, what we always told our kids is. People always talk about, you know, the big games, the rivalry games. To me, uh, the way that you put a, a good streak together and, and and win a whole bunch of games during the year is respect your opponents. And the people that you play, I, I think sometimes when someone's, you know, playing someone that everybody in town uh, through whatever it is is saying, oh, hell, y'all going to run half a, uh, half a hundred on them by halftime. What that makes you, if you, if you buy into that, makes you soft. And it makes your practice habits uh, kind of dwindle, dwindle a little bit. And to me, you, you're either getting better or you're getting worse. And you can't take, you know, you can't rock along through your season and go, hell, we got two gimme games in the middle of the season. We can just kind of take it off. And your coaching staff can't say, well, we, we're going to find this this time to, to, like, play a bunch of freshmen in this game. you got to beat the hell out of people you're supposed to beat the hell out of, you know. And, um <laughs> I just think that that's you I mean you know everybody talks about the Texas OU game and A and M coming back on schedule that that stuff takes care of itself. To me, the Horns have not had a problem mm-hmm. winning the big games against big people and playing well. It's sometimes it's you got to beat the people you're supposed to beat, and you got to and you got to play really well while you're doing that. So that's my take. Yeah, it's a great point, Coach. I agree with that. Yeah, I love that. And it's kind of an oxymoron that you know beat the hell out of them, but it's because you respect them, then you're better. That's why you beat the hell out of them because you're respecting their their ability that they could beat you on any given day. Absolutely, Eric. I mean, to me, if to me, if if you rock along and and you're playing someone that's that you ought to beat, and they and the final score is twenty seven to seventeen. To me, that's disrespect because you disrespected them because you probably didn't. Your work ethic during the week wasn't up to par, you know. And I know that's kind of a crazy way to think, but what that does is keep a team. And that was kind of our means to our madness in the in the three peat is that we just never we never got. Well, I tell you this: in my whole time at, at Westlake, I feel like we lost one game in the entire time at Westlake that we. Sh- you know that we should have won. We uh, wow. after that one loss, we never, no one ever beat us that we should absolutely beat. Hmm. And I think you know um, that's because we stayed consistent. Uh, you know, throughout, uh, didn't ever let them take a um, a week off. You know, and after a while, it's just the kids do that. But I've got five kids that played for me at Westlake that are playing at Texas now, and uh, I'm getting I'm getting awesome. Uh, feedback from them about nice. the locker room. Yeah. That is great. Hey, Coach, I want to ask you because, you know, Sark has been – he always says you get what you emphasize, and he's been emphasizing uh, situational football, playing your best football in key moments, critical moments, down the stretch, fourth quarter, game on the line. Yeah. What as a coach yeah. – do you how do you construct practices what do you do to to make sure you as a coach emphasize that and try to you know improve players situational awareness like what do you do as a coach to improve that yeah well i mean the thing about it starts in spring football practice where there's something every day you know Hmm. whether you know for for us at you know at the high school at westlake it was i mean we've got certain days that we can full contact certain days we can thump you know, but even if we're in a thump mode, we can work. Um, you know, we can work red zone. You know, um, you know, but every single day, and I, it's just the emphasis on it and explaining. Here's the here's the situation. There's a minute and fifteen seconds left to go in the game. Uh, this team is up by seven. So uh, y- y'all got the ball. You know what we're we gonna do with it. You know, so put it in the situation. Um, you know. Coming out, you know, we we used to do that. I don't know that we ever that we ever uh, got ourselves in twenty one my last year on our own four yard line. Um, but I tell you what, we worked on it a bunch. <laughs> you know, and I always, t- you know, I tell people all the time. I said, you know, you know, when when we would, in through my time at, at Westlake, um, there was probably six occasions that we had the ball 
inside our own four yard line, first and goal, first and ten, on your own one yard line. Well, I always I always told our players, I said, guys, then guys, that's the only opportunity you have to break a state record. And they look at me like, what the hell are you talking about? I said, the only way you can throw a 99-yard touchdown pass is be on the one-yard line. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I love that. That's a glass half and full, we did, coach. And we, and, and, and we did it twice during the, during eight years. We we, <laughs> we did it we did it twice wow. during that, those eight years to <laughs> a 99-yard touchdown. So you kind of you kind of look at it like that, and then um, you know, but just you know, you got to in those situations. Uh, you got to talk about it. To me, you got to uh, get stories about it. I, I love. I'm a his, history major, and so I like. To, I love to tell stories about the good things that have happened in football, and maybe the mistakes that have happened in football. And hmm. I think from week to week, you can point out what happened in this college game. You go, hey, you know, this team came from behind. You know, they were down 21 and came all the way back. You know, and we're real big on also when we get. You know, it, it doesn't matter whether we're winning by 21 or we're down by 21. Is staying in, uh, you know, what we did at the high school level. I don't think there's any magic to it. We stayed in four-minute increments mm. of a game. Oh yeah, literally. When when you start a game, we're gonna we're gonna play for this four minutes. You know, okay. So what's gonna happen in this four minutes of the game? You know, uh, you know. Okay, we kicked off to them. You know, we've got to go when we kick off. There, there is a there's a winner or loss to be had. Yeah. Okay. They've got the ball. They've got the ball first. Um, our defense is on the field. Okay. There is a win or a loss. We go. We go three and out. Guess what? We just won. We got a, a a goal on the goal board. All right. Now we make them punt. Well, we get the ball inside the fifty yard line. Guess what? We just hit another one. All right. Now the offense goes out, and we score on the first possession. So. You know, one of the things that I think that always helped keep us grounded and focused in a game is that we have a goal board at Westlake High School that we absolutely live by. Um, and I think sometimes I've been in coaching a long time and I've gone, probably been on a staff before that's had goal boards that they're just really pretty and they're fancy and no one ever talks about them, you know. Um, but at Westlake, that that's the one that, yeah, I mean, you hear our kids on the on the sideline going, "Goal board, goal board, goal board." You know, I still think about it for coach. everybody. Ty still thinks about every it. Four plays. Yeah. Well, and I've yeah. heard you when you were doing those great, great weekly stuff. visits with Craig Way uh, here on the Horn, and I, I was it was always muscles and radio to, to learn more about football. But that goal board, can you describe that a little bit more? Because it's it, it's such a way to break things down that you know football make it simplify it. These are the goals we have. If we you know, and I know you would put numbers on if we do yeah. this as you just said, we do this eight times. We're going to win this football game. What were the main goals that you would have on the whiteboard? All right. Well, uh, not necessarily in this order. Uh, score on the first possession of the game or of the uh, of the second half. If you do either one of those, you get uh, you check that one off. Um, never have a three and out. That's mm. a, that's a lofty goal. Yeah. We never want a three and out. Okay. So that's uh, um, let's see. Uh, no turnovers. You know, I mean, I, I tell our kids, I said, I've seen goal boards before, but people go um, no more than two turnovers. Well, hell, a turnover will get you beat. So no turnovers. Um, no um, unforced penalties, no pre-snap penalties okay. at all. We don't, we, we don't coach our kids to not have any penalties. I think you're going to, you know. So um, score every time from the red zone. You know, like with our quarterbacks, I tell we've been blessed with some kickers at at Westlake. And if we get inside the twenty yard line, guess what? We've got three points, guys. Don't you know score? It doesn't score every time from the red zone. Um, so there's seven or eight of them, yep. uh, nine of them on offense. Hmm. And and it is absolutely Aaron. It's and, and I've looked back through the years, Southlake, um, the years everywhere I've been as a head coach, offensively. There's nine goals defensively. There's nine goals kicking game. There's seven goals. Okay, so through our years at Westlake and all the other places, if the offense achieves six or more, the defense achieves six or more of their goals, and the special teams achieves four or more of those seven, and we don't turn the ball over more than one time, we're undefeated. Wow. 
Never lost. Wow. Never lost a game. That's, well, that makes sense. Process into that performance. That's fantastic. That's it. I'm writing that stat down, Coach. That's great. When I started doing the research on it, I was like, gosh, I'm muddy. And then when you get a bunch of kids to believe in, and it's all and it's all stuff that has nothing to do with, you know, like on our offensive goal board, we don't have throw for 300 and rush for, you know, 175 or 200. Yeah. The team to goals. Me, that's, a, that's a quarterback. That's a quarterback goal. Yeah. You know? Um, oh, the other one that's really important is to have a uh, – is to score as a unit, 75% or better as a unit. Meaning mm-hmm. – you know, what, what we do is, I mean, you just basically it's easy. You get the call sheet at the end of the game. You go, okay, it's first and ten. We got five yards. Second five, we got seven yards check. Every chance you have to move the football. The other one is, the other one that's, I think, really important is that we, we want to achieve 50% on, on third down. I think the NFL, 33% is like winning football in the NFL. 50% on third down. So all of those things, and they're they're not easy goals to get. They're really not, and um, but it leads to it winning. is definitely a blueprint. It's a blueprint for winning, you know. And and when you get the kids, when they believe in that, I mean, hell, you could probably tell them that it may not be true, and they'd still go run through the wall about it. Yeah, you know. But I mean, but 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 they believe, and it's all stuff that's going to win. I mean, you just think about it. If you don't turn the ball over, if you score every time in the red zone, you never have a three and out. Boom, 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 and, and even if even if you get close to some of those, yeah, and you you catch up with mm-hmm. another one in another area, oh yeah, uh, you're playing you're playing winning football, and so when you on Saturday morning you can look at it and you go, I know exactly why we won by forty, yeah, I know it, exactly why, I know exactly why we only won by seven, mm-hmm. or I damn sure know why we got beat. Yeah, you know <laughs> it's going to tell the tale right now. Well, and, and and as you said, coach, they're not individual achievements. It's it's a team thing, right? Mm-hmm. To go not go three and out takes everybody. Uh, to score every time in the red Absolutely. zone takes everybody, and that's not you know. So I got to do my job to achieve that goal, and it puts it in, in, a, in a simplified perspective. And it led to a lot of winning for our guest Todd Dodge. Tons of uh, seven state championships, three in a row at uh, at Westlake from nineteen to twenty one. And as you said, coach, you've got a, you got five guys playing for Texas right now, and uh, hearing good things out of that locker room. Have you do, you do you keep up with Sam up there in Indianapolis? I know they've drafted a rookie, but he's still working his way with the Colts in the National Football League. Yeah, Sam, he's still alive, everybody in Austin. You know, I talked to him last week. And, it, you know, you, I mean, everybody, the, the ultra competitor. And um, he's he's grinding along, you know. He's taking inventory of things that he can control. That's right. And uh, so, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, he said, Coach, I'm just every day and I'm doing the best. He, you know, he, he got to play through the ball nine times, completed, I think, seven or eight of nine for 72 yards and, you know, the other day, he, you know, text me. It's all you can do. You know, you're, you're also, you know, this Rod. He's putting tape on for for anybody else also. That's know? exactly so right. Okay. I've got, I've got, uh, you know, Chase Daniel. Who Chase? This may have been his lab, but he he played 14 years and 14 wow. 15 years in the league. And the, he's the, the highest paid backup quarterback in NFL history because he's <laughs> such a professional. You know, yep. and uh, people always people always say, "Well, how'd you stay along?" He said, "I was humble and I carried the clip." He said, "I basically caddied for the guy who's the starter, and <laughs> I just took care of him." That's right. And <laughs> go in when you need to. That was Drew Brees for a long time in New and Orleans, go- and yeah, he was a heck of a player at, at Missouri too, and played for you at high school in South Lake Carroll. Wow. Yep. Yeah, he's 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 great, and and so I hope for Sam that Sam can have a, a similar. You know, experience that that Chase had. Yep. Well, coach, appreciate the extended visit and all the stories and the tales and how to win football games. Great you just stuff, kind of mapped coach. it out right there because you certainly backed it up, and I think we learned a lot from you and our audience did too. Thank you, Todd. Glad Thanks, to hear coach. you're doing well. Thank y'all. Hook them. Hook them, coach. There you go, legendary coach.
Todd Dodge there on E and Robbie this morning. Thank you for tuning in for that. Um, we're going to come back. We're going to read some of your answers on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Which, coach is, which NFL coach is on the biggest hot seat going into this season? Which NFL coach is on the biggest hot seat going into this season? Join the conversation, 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Hit us up there. We'll read some answers and tell you about which athlete's wine is going uh, up in stock in China. Tell you that when we come back here on The Horn. The Sports Complex with Patrick Davis on The Horn. Back here on the Sports Complex, here on the Horn, playing some Orange Juice Jones. Doing our rain dance here on the Horn this week is our theme for Sports Complex. Musical theme is rain, because we could really use some here in Austin. Join the conversation. 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. We're asking you today, which NFL coach is on the biggest hot seat going into the season? Got a couple answers so far. Has to be Mike McCarthy. Uh, we also has, as a Cowboys fan, I'm ready to move on from Dak, even though I know we'll fire Mike McCarthy worth. I know I know all you people, and, and, and Steve also has Staley should have been fired last year from Longhorn and Lubbock. I, I agree. First of all, Staley should have been fired last year. I agree with you on that. The thing with Dak, I get nobody likes him. You, there isn't 30 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. <laughs> there isn't one. Cooper Rush isn't one. He's just not. I know. I know everybody wants him to be one. He's not. We know he doesn't have the arm talent to be one. And he'd be figured out in three weeks, and you'd be like, oh, man, can we please get someone decent? I, I get Dak's not the guy, but if you want Dak to move on, you have to get another quarterback first. You can't just guess and hope to get one. Like, do you want to try and get Baker Mayfield? Or do you want to trade for Trey Lance? I don't think tra- they're giving up Trey Lance because they know how much uh, like, how, how much security they need at the quarterback position. So I, don't think I, I just don't know who you move on from. To go because it's not Cooper Rush. I know everybody wants it to be. It's not. Now they did say they're giving Will Greer a really hard look in the preseason game this Saturday. It means Will Greer is going to play a lot of this game, uh, the next preseason game for the Cowboys. Uh, Mike McDaniel's yes, another clipboard holder for Belichick that failed at running a team. Yeah, yeah, Mike McDaniel's yes, you're a Raiders fan. You know he is terrible. He is awful. You also said I'd rather have Deion Sanders run the team, and that's not a compliment. Yeah, I mean, anyone's better than Mike McDaniel. I tried to go over to the Raiders, and it's awful. It's it's just awful. Join the conversation. Which NFL coach is on the biggest hot seat going into the season? 512-337-3776 is the Specs text line. Hit us up there. Uh, when we come back, we will get into some sound from some Texas football players. They were talking to the media yesterday. So a couple of running backs, a safety, and we will get to that when we come back here on the Sports Complex on the Horn, 1019 AM 1260, on hornfm.com and the Horn app.